If you'd like to get into contact with us, then you can send us an email. Yes, perfect. And we should probably spell that. (laughs) (laughs) It's how it sounds. Yeah. I'm Mairead. And I'm Harry. And this is A for Effort. The show where we each bring three terms or words or phrases based on a single theme. Each person has their own theme, different theme from the other person. And then the, the second person then guesses what those what those words, terms, or phrases are without any prior knowledge. And and that's the game. Just as clear as ever. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Last week, you gave me your terms first. So this week, we'll reverse it? Yes. All right. My theme this week is the history of money. And my first term is coincidence of wants problem. So coincidence is something uncanny that happens, maybe um, a link between... Uh, so here's my, my, my first... Th- I'm not even going to go through all the words. My first thought at the top of my head is if it's the history of money, currency kind of came along to provide an underlying... Um, item of value to lo- to use to um, uh, uh, trade things, objects or services. Yeah. So a coincidence of wants, would that be two people both want the same thing so they can't trade? Is this something that led to money's existence? You're definitely on the right track. That was very right. close. But yeah, it's like what led to, or it's one thing. Mm-hmm. One of the many contributing factors. Yes. Towards the implementation of a monetary system. Yes. All right. So, the coincidence of wants. So, your want is what you need, obviously. (laughs) I'm having trouble defining the word coincidence. It's one of those words that just kind of exists. Coincidence, you could break down into co and incidence, where incidence is a happening and co is like at the same time. So, Mm. the coincidence... Of wants, like, wants aligning. But it's a problem. Yeah. And it's not that they both have the same want. Oh, they both want the same thing from someone else? No. So if you're if two people are trading. Yes. And one person has eggs and the other person has bread. Mm-hmm. What might be the coincidence of wants problem there? Let me wrap my head around this. <laughs> there's many. There's a couple of different possibilities. Uh-huh. So either they both want what the other person has, and that's not a problem. Correct. Or one person wants what the other person has, but the other person doesn't want to give it up because the other person doesn't want what the other person has. Mm-hmm. Or neither wants what the other person has. Right. Right? Those are the three possibilities. <laughs> yes, I agree. And underlying all of those things is, I think, where the problem is. Like in each of those, yeah. in order for a trade to happen, what mm-hmm. has to happen? Just be an exchange of those items because both people they, both people want, need to want the other's item? Yes. So the coincidence of wants problem is when there is no coincidence of wants? Well, it's more just that in a barter or a trade economy, in order to do any business, by happenstance, you have to want what the other person is offering you. Right. Because there is no sort of neutral-ish. 
third entity being exchanged, namely money. So the coincidence of wants problem is when in a bartering system, there is a requirement for two people to want what the other person has for there to be an exchange. And if there isn't one, then that exchange can occur. However, in a currency-based system, that can still occur because a currency as an item of or a a representation of value in the economy can be used because it's always wanted. Yes. All right. My second term, which I think will be harder than the first term. Great. (laughs) Because it requires Latin, is fiat money or fiat money. Oh, fiat money. I know this. Well, then. (laughs) I feel like I only get things when I just know them from the (laughs) previous week. Isn't fiat money money that's printed without any underlying value. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's yeah. just fiat, fiat or fiat or however you would pronounce that. It's something, it's like a, a command. Yeah, it yes. means let it be done. So the value of the money is just created by someone saying this has value. Yes. As opposed to it being built on something else, like, mm. I guess, gold. Mm, but that's gold. weird because gold also just has like arbitrary value. Yeah, that's you know? the thing. People are always like, but we should base it in gold. Gold is an inherent value. It's like, Why? <laughs> Because it's shiny? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I know. If you're going to base it, like, food. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. Why not base it on something that actually has inherent value? But yes, Yes. you are correct. Fiat money is legal tender, but it only has value because the parties using it have agreed that it has value. Good. My final term is distributed ledger. So a ledger is like um, something where you keep track of your inflow and outflow of money, isn't it? Yep. Or exchanges. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I'll give you a hint if you want, but you can I take do it. want uh, blockchain. Is this like a decentralized currency situation? Yeah, sort of. So it can be okay. So you said exchange. So like exchange of currencies that can occur in like a decentralized way. Um, sort of. So if a ledger is remember the ledger part. So a ledger is a list of all yes. transactions. Distributed ledger would be everyone has an ability to look at all exchanges with a specific currency. Yeah, exactly. So a distributed ledger is a list of all exchanges that everybody has a copy of. Ah. And blockchain is a distributed ledger, as I understand it, is a little confusing. But mm. blockchain is a distributed ledger and Bitcoin is built on blockchain. So right. that's what decentralizes cryptocurrencies, basically. Mm. So like everybody, usually you have a bank. Banks serve as kind of middle bodies, right? Mm. So when I'm sending money to you, I send it through my bank because then my bank is basically certifying like, yes, I have that money and then Mm -hmm. is giving it to your bank and being like, yep, this money exists Mm -hmm. because the bank is this trusted entity with a distributed ledger. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a copy of this ledger. So sure, I could write on my copy. Let's just pretend it's a piece of paper to make it like a little more accessible. Let's say Mm -hmm. everybody has a copy of a sheet of paper and it's a huge waste of paper. Every time something changes, everybody gets a new copy of the sheet of paper. So like I could change on my sheet of paper to make my bank balance a million dollars. But since only my single piece of paper will say a million dollars on it, everybody else is like, that's not true. Right. And then there's some middle step in here that I don't really understand where where you can allowably change the ledger. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when like real a real transaction takes place. For some reason, the ledger changes. I just don't understand why. But like I am at a baseline level of understanding right of the idea of what like blockchain and bitcoin are okay so a distributed ledger is a record 
of exchanges of currency, so transactions, mm-hmm. available in a decentralized fashion for all holders of that currency, which enables certification of transactions without a centralized authority. Yeah. Nice. That is cool. the end of round one. Nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right. Round two. My theme <laughs> is Greek statues. My first term is polychromy. Polychromy. Is that spelled P-O-L-Y-C-H-R-O-M-Y? Yes. Well, great. I said it like that to purposefully obscure the spelling because it's quite <laughs> easy to guess when it's spelled out. <laughs> so luckily, my first <laughs> approach was, let me spell that. Yes. All right, I see what's going yeah. on here. Let me spell that. <laughs> yeah, so it's like polychromy. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Okay, so poly meaning multiple or many, and then chromy being something to do with color, I mm. think. So is it is it does it have something to do with statues being multiple colors as opposed to a lot of statues, which are like maybe just white? Yes. Great. <laughs> so, in fact, the majority of Greek statues were polychromous, as it oh, were. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I was reading a very interesting article about this, which I will talk about later, but that's where all these, these things are from. <laughs> okay, got it. Anyway, number two, extreme raking light. Okay, so extreme, multiple standard deviations away from the mean. Good definition uh, of extreme. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> okay, raking to me, for some reason, in combination with light makes me think it's coming from a certain angle or with mm. a certain harshness. And so I wonder if it has something to do with how toned so many Greek statues are. Because mm. I think if you shine a light, maybe it's from below or at a 90 degree angle or something and makes muscles look much bigger because it's casting these shadows. Mm. Does it have anything to do with that? Okay, here, here's my hint. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. You're, you're right about the light. And yeah. the angle, but think of it as a method, an archaeological method, and think of it as related to polychromy. An archaeological method would be something, I guess, used to uh, study cultural artifacts. Oh, interesting. Okay, extreme raking light. So mm. it's either they're excavating or just looking at old artifacts. Mm-hmm. And the raking light, I think, again, would be sort of, on the one hand, I think maybe it's like harsh light Mm -hmm. so that they can see a lot of the little details of something. On the other hand, I think maybe it's a very specific kind of light that is diffuse in some way so that they don't damage the very old paint. Mm. So it's it's to reveal something. Is it regular visible light? Yeah. You're basically almost entirely right, except for like one final... (laughs) <laughs> okay. Yeah, I is think it, you're I think you've probably basically said it at this okay. point. Okay. Is it to is it a light applied so that they can see the colors on something that they are can super see faded? Evidence that there was colors. Ah. Yes. Okay. So it's basically a very harsh light from the side at a very low angle. Okay. So you can see tiny marks within the marble. So you can see like hatching and like shading and things like that and evidence mm. that there was paint once on the okay. marble. And then you can also see potentially evidence of what color it was and things like that. Okay, cool. So extreme raking light is an archaeological tool. So it's a very bright light from a low angle at the side of something that allows 
archaeologists to pick out details in artifacts, like whether it had color or mm. not. So wait, are a lot of Greek statues just white because the color has faded? Exactly. Oh, interesting. And now think about that culturally. And here comes my third term. Number three, neoclassicism. Okay. Uh, neo is new. Classicism, mm -hmm. like the classics. So yes. study of Greek and Roman cultures. Mm -hmm. I can imagine someone mm -hmm. discovering a marble statue or whatever mm -hmm. that is white and being like, this was always white. Mm -hmm. But maybe now with these new methods, people are realizing that there are aspects of the study of like the classics that have gone unobserved because of these original assumptions of like, oh, this was this never had paint on it or whatever. But then with these new techniques, yeah, they're just revealing aspects of classics that have gone unstudied. So let me say that these new methods are kind of discursively opposed to neoclassicism. Neoclassicism came before. Okay. Um, so it's old classicism. <laughs> <laughs> and think about like, um, like 19th century people trying to compare their empires to Rome, talking in Latin, things like that. Okay. Um, question. Is racism involved at all? Yes, to some degree, yes. Neoclassicism, I can imagine, because you mentioned comparing societies. So mm. it's, it's using old artifacts in some way to like glorify certain cultures or like mm. races or yeah. religions or whatever. But then with these neo, with sorry, with these new methods like mm -hmm. extreme raking light, new archaeological discoveries are coming out that are undermining. Uh, these like veiled classist or like racist or whatever opinions mm -hmm. and they're being like well actually it's not based on these societies because like look at these pigments so like this yeah. person wasn't white <laughs> mm -hmm. yes so so neoclassicism was a revival of like classical artistic tropes in the 19th century with the rediscovery of a lot of their art and their marble Okay, And it's the kind of ideals that grew out of that, of like the beautiful, plain, mm. white marble statue. Yeah. Um, which kind of combined with a political neoclassicism in relating like new democracies and republics and things like that to the Roman and Greek um, republics and democracies. Okay. Um, to form this idea of classical society as like the precursor to Western Europe and like these white empires and these 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 powerful white countries yeah and it's even if we politically potentially have moved past those ideas even though i don't think we have especially not in europe um the neoclassical artistic tropes of greek and roman statues as plain white statues are difficult tropes to move past like it's difficult to imagine those societies without those like that white marble it's such an archetypal understanding of it yeah and so it's that kind of ingrained idea which is from a neoclassical kind of revival of that kind of artistry that's what neoclassicism is so i'm not sure like is neoclassicism an attempt to glorify some societies you know like what's going on with it does it is well, there a motive it's like it begins artistically with the Renaissance, right? So it's people like Michelangelo and other 
sculptors who I don't know were making statues that were based on classical statues. So it's it's a revival of those artistic tropes, right? It's okay. it's it's trying to compare yourself as an artist to those classical artists and to make art similar to the art they made. And yeah. kind of naturally there was a leakage of those of that movement into cultural and societal and political spheres and ideologies. Okay, so neoclassicism started in art and then also sort of leaked into the political, social, economic spheres. Mm -hmm. And it's related to a sense of heritage as as deriving from Greek and Roman classical societies. Mm -hmm. And this is at play in... Western Europe, largely, yes. is that? Yeah. yeah. And then some of these new archaeological methods run counter to this neoclassical worldview by <laughs> because there's <laughs> injecting a... some like nuance into what the art actually was. Yeah, exactly. It's the changing the view of what the art be, was. Yeah. Yeah, because the art was assumed to be these like white marble statues, and that's what some rena- like a lot of Renaissance artists based their art on but now archaeologists are like actually there was paint like it's basically saying the archetypal greek or roman statue yeah is not what we thought it was for the last 300 years yeah um so they're it's interesting that they're both derivative and unique yeah exactly these discoveries because they were derived from a piece of art that didn't exist in a way yeah yes yeah all right very cool (laughs) that is the end of round two Do some scoring. Look at my Do you have scores. your knife? <laughs> <laughs> All right. For coincidence of wants problem, I gave you four out of five. Thank you very much. For fiat money, five out of five. Thank you so much. And for distributed ledger, four out of five, bringing Oof. you to a total that's, of that's... 13 out of 15. For polychromy, I gave you five out of five. For extreme raking light, I gave you four out of five. And for neoclassicism, I gave you four out of five. All right. That's the same as the total that I got, 13 out of 15. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) If you'd like to learn more about the history of money, I will potentially link an article uh, in the show notes, but I just Googled about it. So (laughs) I would recommend you do the same, although my interest in the topic was kicked off by listening to a podcast about the blockchain called ZigZag, which I will also link in the show notes. There's a good Niall Ferguson book about the history of money. Anyway, moving on. If you'd like to read more about how statues are colorful, then you can read this article I found in the Smithsonian Magazine from July 2008 called True Colors by Matthew Gerwich. I'll link it in the show notes. Um, I don't know how I found it, but it's very good, and you should read it if you'd like to learn more. A for Effort is hosted and produced by me, Mairead. And me, Harry. And is edited by me, Mairead. But not me, Harry. Our engineer is Nick Shoop. Our music is Chop Shop Instrumental by White Flowers. And our logo is by Eights. You can find us wherever you find your podcasts. And if you'd like to get into contact with us, then send an email to aforeffortcast at gmail.com. We'll be back in two weeks. See you then. Goodbye. Bye. Uh, it's legal tender. That's legal. <laughs> <laughs>
feel like it came out of my mouth. It's so aggressive. It's legal tender. 